0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking.
1: Hi, and welcome to the 199th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barden, and I'm here with my co-host, Diami Plotke, of the Penultimate Woodshop. Tonight, we're talking with Keith Johnson and asking him the five questions. You may know him as KJ Sawdust on Instagram and through his website, KeithJohnsonCWW.com. I got that WW. In there. there,
2: you nailed it.
1: That's Are right. Are you from Texas? No, we're going to go nuclear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, anyway, so, so anyway. Well, we're going to ask you the five questions, Keith, so um, I'll start us off here. So, tell us a little bit how you got into woodworking.
2: Ooh, uh, probably the first time I got any really hands-on experience was in eighth grade shop class. Uh, I think it was kind of a mix of hand tools and power tools, and anytime you wanted to use a hand tool, there was a room and you had to sign it out, You had to, like a little release form and borrow the coping saw and then make sure you bring it back. But we did a bunch of different projects in there. We did like, cause I, I grew up in New Hampshire. So it was a cribbage board in the shape of New Hampshire and a little <laughs> tic-tac-toe block. And I remember building a, like a display shelf for my grandmother that had a piece of glass in the front. I think we even did some metal work. I remember we made this little metal box with a, a a lid top that I think we used shears to cut and soldered it together. I painted it red. It was the most horrific-looking thing ever. I think I used to keep all my, my notes in there, you know, when you used to pass notes back and forth in class. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's when I really just fell in love with woodworking. And then in ninth grade, I kind of took, uh, while other kids were, i don't know what they were doing they had no interest in in this stuff i uh i was doing i built an adirondack chair and an entertainment center for all my cassette tapes (laughs) and uh, it's a couple other projects and then it just
0: kind of carried on from there and just kept snowballing did you have any influence of people doing woodwork at home or it was all from school from those projects
2: Yeah. All from school. I had no, like my grandfather was a union sheet metal worker. My father was in the Navy. So there was, there was no shop at home. There was nobody within the family that I went over to and hung out and showed me the ropes or
0: taught me how to do anything uh, at that point. Wow. I'm glad school exposed you to it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're doing, uh, doing woodworking, what is your favorite tool? Ooh, we mentioned the track saw earlier, but
2: I don't think that's my favorite tool. It's my most used tool, but favorite tool, man.
1: You can't say odd job. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's your favorite tool. You don't even own one. <laughs> I think my rabbiting block plane, my Lee Nielsen rabbiting block plane.
0: Okay. Uh
2: yeah. You know, there's just something about a, an amazing hand tool that is sharp and is always ready. You know that that tool because it's a rabbiting block plane. If for those of you who don't know, that blade goes edge to edge, all the way to the side, so you can clean up your your shoulders on a, on a tenon and just get into places you can't get into with a regular block plane. And that if you've ever owned a Lee Nielsen block plane, they're just
1: mm-hmm. built
2: so well. They're built like tanks, and they're just a, a dream to use. I think that's actually the first block plan I ever you know real block plan I ever bought, not the little husky one or whatever they sell at Home Depot or I don't know what brand they sell, but
1: yeah,
2: that was so, the first real one I ever bought
1: yeah, so how hand tool focused are you?
2: I'm I am a curious. lot more hand tool focused now than I used to be. I never mm-hmm. you know as a finished carpenter we had we everyone had a block plane for when you're right. hanging uh cedar shake shingles, yep, and that's it. I didn't use it for anything else because nobody showed me how to or what to use it for. Mm-hmm. So now after, you know, it's really cut through fine woodworking magazine and through uh, the Internet and Instagram. Like you see all these tools and like this, these will help me uh, build much better furniture. Um, and they actually make it a lot more enjoyable. You know, I know you had Shannon Rogers on here recently and he's 100 percent hand tools. And I, can, I, I get that to a point, uh, because it is fantastic, <laughs> but like, you know, like he does now, he doesn't want to flatten a board by hand. He's got a planer, Yeah, but I don't want to rip a 10 foot long piece of walnut with a saw, with a hand saw. Mm.
1: So well, I've heard tell that behind his little one car garage shop, he has like a thousand square feet shop that just decked out with
2: all power tools,
1: <laughs> all, all European Felder equipment. <laughs> That's what I've heard anyway. Could be wrong. But
2: Sounds reasonable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but with that said, so who has influenced you the most in uh, woodworking?
2: I think, you know, from the carpentry standpoint growing up, I worked – I worked in a grocery store, and there was another guy that bagged groceries with me who was older than I thought at the time, way older than me, but it wasn't really that much, and he was a contractor, and it always confused me why he was bagging groceries for $6 an hour, mm-hmm. two days a week for extra money, but he, I ended up working for him like on weekends and during summer vacations, so he kind of worked by himself, so we did a lot of window and door installation and roof replacement mm-hmm. and decks and things like that. So he he showed me a lot of 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 that side of the business. And then when I worked for my uncle who was a contractor, you know, I learned a lot of more about the finished carpentry side of it. But as far as furniture, I like I haven't had anyone grab me by the hand and show me anything. But if you were to say the the biggest influence as far as furniture, it would be Norm Abram. Like growing up in New Mm -hmm. Hampshire And on a hundred acre farm, not a working farm, but a hundred acre farmhouse, we didn't have cable, but being local to Boston, you know, Mm hour outside of Boston, we all had PBS. So this old house and you got New Yankee. So the, as I mentioned before, the Adirondack chair I built, those were from plans in Norm Abrams book, uh, where, you know, they give you a, uh, you have to draw out one-inch squares on poster board, and they give you a scale. And then you have to draw it out, the scale, and then cut the patterns out. And oh. I still have those patterns to this day. They're in my old shop in my mother's basement. Uh, so that was the first real project, furniture project I built. I remember I, it was $19 worth of pr- – I bought pressure-treated lumber because it was going to be outside. And so that really – I mean – I saw all those power tools being used, and we had some of those in high school, like the big drum sander and you know mm-hmm. stuff. That it's unfortunate that these programs have just gone away in high schools, and you have to go to a trade school or some other um, tech, VOTEC, to to get to any any exposure to these types of things. But to to see all him using all those power tools, and he had you know of course set up and a tool for everything, and you know now. I kind of, I don't have that as much, but I do have very close to that. And, you know, it's just, he's always, I still have his books. He's still on TV. So he just, he always has been that person that is just comforting. You know, I've heard other people say, yeah. he just he just, you know, like my uncle, working for my uncle, I could be in the most manic, upset, something like if I couldn't get something to fit or work. And my uncle would walk in the room and I could just feel the anger melt away. Like he just has that that presence about mm-hmm. him. And I just feel like that way with Norm. Like you could be having the most frustrating day and you just come in, put his hand on your shoulder and say, no, no, it's all right. You just do yeah. this. And
1: so. here's an 18-gauge Brad nailer. Right. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Like, Done. Done. <laughs> There's
0: nothing wrong with 18-gauge Brads.
1: Hey. I got, I got, that's the only Brad Nailer I have is 18 gauge Brad Nailer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you think you would have used a 23? Did they have 23s back they then? They, they
1: didn't have them back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they didn't have 23s, yeah.
0: A shame. Um, with your woodworking, Keith, what has been your biggest stumbling block? And um, have you learned anything to have avoided it if, with experience? It kind of goes back to
2: being self taught. And the fact that I have to figure everything out as I go. Now, the internet has been a big, you know, you can Google anything. But what generally happens in my shop, to give you a snapshot, is I know what I want to do. I know a couple different ways to do it. So it's like the Tasmanian devil in here with stuff flying everywhere. and stuff, But when the dust settles, like, I did it. But it may not have been <laughs> the best or the quickest way to get there so my my line from a to b isn't always a straight line it's usually a squiggly line or a giant parabola or something um and Mm -hmm. it's you know you can read anything in a book and show you like i have an awesome joinery book over there um is it gary Rogowski's book Mm -hmm. i think um which is fantastic shows you how to make every joint but to see someone do it in a video is way more helpful than just seeing a picture of it. But I can look at a picture and figure it out. I'll, I'll find a way to do it, but it's not always the quickest way. So, I mean, that that's where not having any formal training or anyone take me by the hand and show me the best way to do things, its it it becomes a stumbling block because it takes me longer. And the unfortunate part is the next time I go to do that same task, I'll probably do it different. Okay.
1: Because I know mm-hmm. the
2: last time <laughs> it took me forever, <laughs> so let me find a try to find a new way.
1: Yeah, I found myself doing the same thing too. I think if I do it this way, it might be a little quicker, and then it ends up taking twice as long. And
2: right, or not just... working at all, and you have to. <laughs> oh start yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm with you on that. So, um, how has the internet influenced your work?
2: It's been a. a a big I think we kind of got I into that, that a We kind of touched bit. on
1: that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, like on, I mean, since everything is searchable, like I remember uh, two tables ago, I was building, um, it's like an X-style trestle table, X base, mm-hmm. and with breadboard ends. I'd never mm-hmm. done a table with breadboard ends. I'd done a mortise and tenon. I had done a drawboard joint, but I'd never done a full breadboard. So... You go to YouTube. You know, you look up uh, Third Coast Craftsman, uh, the Mono Loco Workshop, uh, Ty Moser. I went to William Walker. They all had their own kind of ways of doing it. They were all basically the same, but uh-huh. I I did it a little bit different. You know, I did I created my my tenon with a rut with a two inch dado bit, plowed both sides, and made that tenon. And mostly everybody leaves that tenon exposed on the end, but. Mm-hmm. I, I cut, I I shortened mine because I didn't want it exposed. So right. I cut in, and so I made it as a as a totally internal uh, mortise and tenon, so you didn't see that hanging off the edge. And yeah, but that's where it comes in so handy. You have a question about anything, it's out there now. It's that's also a problem because you know more inexperienced people might latch on to the wrong video showing you the way it right. shouldn't be done. Um, I think we're all kind of, or I think we're at a point now where we can weed out what what is good and what isn't. Um,
1: yeah, and I think I did that. I've only done breadboards a couple of times, and I probably latched on to the wrong video because I just used dominoes.
2: Oh, yeah, that's totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> How are they holding up?
1: Fantastic. All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Like and I probably went way too big with my tenant because I had a couple of people say those are the, I mean those are gigantic. Yep. I made them two thirds the size of the width of the breadboard, but I didn't know. You know, other yeah. guys like one third, but I was like, why why not make them even longer? I, I don't. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's uh, yeah. You know, we can get in a whole domino discussion here, but uh, that's kind of when I first started getting into woodworking. Uh, I was looking at ways, easier ways to make some joints, and I kind of fell in love with the domino. And Mm -hmm. that was really one of the first big woodworking tools I bought was a domino. And so every time I looked at plans for something, I went, oh, yeah, this would be much easier. I can just do a domino here, a domino there, boom, 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 get the same effect, you know, so.
2: Oh, she's a temptress for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, but, no, I think that's absolutely – absolutely fantastic. I think you really did touch on it during our episode about the internet and how it influenced you as far as, as doing some of your, um, standalone furniture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's great.
2: It just makes you think more outside the box. Cause you know, if, 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 if you don't see what everyone else is mm-hmm. doing, like sometimes that part of your brain just doesn't open up to let a little more creativity in and realize, Hey, you know what? I, I, I need to do something better than that. You know, I, You know, I can't be there's so many people doing great things, but I want to do something even better. So let's see if I can come up with something different and, you know, call it my own.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, great. Well, thanks for answering the five questions. So uh, before we uh, let you go here for this episode, so where can they find you on the interwebs?
2: Uh, Instagram, KJ Sawdust, where I'm most active. But, you know, and I forgot to mention on the main show, I do have a YouTube channel with Two project videos up there. Uh, Keith Johnson Custom Woodworking is the name of my channel. Uh, I have one video up there. I did a cherry step stool and then another one with a modern coffee table that has stainless steel legs that I had prefabbed. So I want to start growing my YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. One of my table builds, I shot it exclusively for YouTube. I just haven't had the chance to edit it. It's Instagram consumes all my time. With editing videos and, and creating content for that, so I w- hopefully we'll get to that. I'm
0: sure with the Eventually. move you'll have plenty of extra time. Oh, absolutely! Exactly. I
2: mean, yeah. I'll have Wi-Fi on the car ride down, <laughs> be able to bang <laughs> it out.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, Diami, where can folks find you?
0: Um, I can be found on uh, on Instagram at penultimate woodshop or on Twitter at Diami And
1: And uh, I can be found at Barton Kyle on Instagram. And with that, that just about wraps it up for the show. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play Music. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association, and then you'll never miss any of our exciting episodes. And while you're there, please leave us a review.
0: And we got a website. I've posted to it. We Check do? it out. Um, <laughs> follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and maybe even like us on Facebook. And go over your neighbor's house and put – just put a podcasting app on their phone. I would recommend PocketCast and subscribe to the MWA and let them enjoy. So, um, with that, go find the internet and uh, build something.
1: <laughs> and I would say please stay tuned for our next exciting oh, episode. Yes, 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 200.
0: Episode Ooh. 200. We've been doing this too long, Kyle.
1: I know. I know. So, I feel uh, like
2: I feel like the uh, I'm the pre-show here for for the big <laughs> game.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. You're the penultimate episode before. I'm like, episode.
2: yeah, I'm, I'm Christmas Eve here to your <laughs> yes.
1: 200th. Yeah, so for our, we will have a few uh, voices from the past. So please uh, be sure to tune in for that.
0: For yeah, and, for people who have been with us for a long time, episode 200 yeah. should be fun. For people mm-hmm. who actually want to talk about woodworking, you might want to just skip to 201. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good point. Good point. Good point. But, uh, but even again, for two hundred
0: one, we've got uh, we've got guests lined up, and we're going to keep chugging away. So, um,
1: that's right. That's right. Yeah, so we stop. So thank, yeah. So thanks again, Keith, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Great.
2: Right, thanks so much for having me. It was fun. We
0: enjoyed it.